Welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast with Amy Wheeler. I've had the good fortune to travel the world learning about yoga therapy on a global scale. And I've been able to meet many of the leaders in the field along the way. I want to share with you what I'm learning as I interview our colleagues from around the world. My hope is that together we can reduce suffering of all sentient beings through our work as yoga teachers and yoga therapists. Hello, welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour with Amy Wheeler. And I have a very special guest today that I'm really happy to share with you. He's my friend and my colleague named Amit Garg. And Amit was brought up in Northern India in the foothills of the Himalayas. And his formal education is as an electronics engineer. And he did his MBA here in the United States at UNC. But when he was five years old, he met his spiritual guru, Pandit Sri Rama Sharma Acharya. And he spent summer vacations at his guru's ashram, which is on the banks of the Ganges near Hardwar. So Amit is now a Vedic astrologer, uh, Jyotish is the name of Vedic astrology. And he's had many teachers both in India and the US. And he's a practitioner of many different systems of astrology. He offers consultations in Jyotish, Vastu, numerology, Sujok therapy, teaches workshops, and he's a storyteller using a lot of mythology. He's co-authored a book called Yoga and Jyotish, and his goal is to make the eternal wisdom of the Vedic sciences accessible in this day and age in plain and simple language. Now, how did I meet Amit? I was at a conference, an IYT conference, and literally I was just kind of scanning the room for who showed up at this conference. Do I know anybody here? And I saw one person that had so much light coming out of him. He literally looked like a light bulb that had been turned on. And I was like, I've never seen this person before. He, who, who is he? And so I literally started walking towards him. He started walking towards me and we introduced ourselves and I found out he was a Vedic astrologer and interested in helping yoga therapists specifically use Vedic astrology and in their practices, just everything from educating us to what it is, how to use it for ourselves, for our clients. And that was probably five years ago. And I never, I never let Amit out of my sights since that time, because I personally feel that there has to be a heart-to-heart connection whenever we have a teacher of anything. And in this case, he is my Vedic astrology teacher. I felt this immediately heart connection to him, longing towards learning with him, studying with him, spending time with him, having him help me reflect on my life, my gifts, my purpose, my challenges. And I just can't recommend him enough. You know, all of the students in our yoga therapy sangha or community, every time they have a really hard thing going on, I say, have you, have you had a session with a mitt? Or if, if they're about to have a baby, I say, have you had the baby's chart done? Will you have the baby's chart done? And so all of us in the optimal state yoga therapy training school 
have jumped into using a mint. And I think most, if not all of us have had a really positive experience with him because he takes this very ancient wisdom and he puts it in very modern, practical, everyday terms with really simple solutions on ways to orient our mind. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing for me is it helps me orient how I want to structure my life. So for instance, right now, I'm in a period where I'm supported in writing a book. (laughs) I've had a really hard time writing this book, everybody. It's been years, but I've been told by Amit that now until next August, 2022, I have to get this book done. And if at all possible, if I could launch it on May 2nd of 2022, that would be even better, right? So now I look at my calendar and I think, is this possible? Can I carve out enough time to do this? And I I want to try to make it happen. We'll see. It may or may not happen, but just something to think about that if nothing else, it's orienting my mind in a positive direction, helping me set goals so that I can make the most out of my time here on earth and be of service in the most positive way possible. Last year, he had me launch the podcast on a special day in May also, and and that was a beautiful offering and continues to thrive. So anyway, I introduce you to Amit. I'm so happy he's here live from India. He's he's back home for a wedding, and I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with him. Hello, I would love to introduce you to my friend and my colleague, Amit Garg, a Vedic astrologer, live from India, late at night there. Welcome, Amit. Thank you, Amit. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be here. It's such an honor. And you're, you're doing such a fantastic job of connecting people. And I know, you know, it takes so much of your time and energy and resources to put these podcasts together. So we're very, very thankful for you. Thank you. Well, well, I've had some great guidance on how to be of service. So we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But Amit, I'd like to start on an auspicious note. Would you like to do a chant for us to begin? Yeah, let's let's, uh, close our eyes. I'll do a quick blessing of Ganesha. Om Vakratunda Mahakaya Surakoti Samaprabha Nirvignam Kurume Deva Sarvakaryeshu Sarvadam Thank you so much. All right. So where would you like to begin, Amit? I'm just so delighted to have you here. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and maybe even why you decided to study Jyotish in such depth? Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was thinking about this, like, you know, it's a topic that I think you haven't talked about this before in your podcast. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it'll be good probably to give a, some background of how you know, where I'm coming from, you know, how Jyotish is practiced in India. It's a very different context, you know. So Jyotish, which is the Sanskrit word for Vedic astrology. And so it's a way of life in India. 
you know, it's a, it's a very intricate part of life of, you know, day-to-day life of common people, not just very spiritually oriented or, you know, uh, not just the priests or people who are studying Jyotish, but everyday life of most of the common people is, you know, very much influenced by Jyotish. And it's not something that you encounter uh, when you just go to an astrologer for reading, which is the case in the West, I think, in, for the most part. So it's not peripheral. It's not something added on to your life. It's a part of their DNA. So it's weaved uh, together, you know, into the fabric of life of common people. So I'll give you some examples. For example, let's start with the, you know, Dhinacharya, which is the daily routine in Ayurveda. So Dhinacharya is the daily routine. So people wake up uh, during Brahma Mahurata. It's a window of time before the sunrise, you know, specifically it's uh, between 96 minutes and 48 minutes before the sunrise. So that window, people try to wake up during that time uh, because they say the spiritual energies are more, you know, abundant, easily absorbed during that time. So wake up early, you know, do your chores, uh, shower and do your japa, which is your silent meditation and mantras, do your yagya, which is the fire ceremony, do the sun salutations and then offerings uh, to the sun god, you offer water to the sun god. So before even you've had your breakfast, you know, you've done a lot of things connected with Jyotish. It's a part of your daily routine. And then there are different sciences, different parts of Jyotish uh, that are used by everyday common people. So for example, first is Panchanga. You know, Panchanga is the five limbs of time. And those limbs are the day of the week, the solar day, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's the lunar day, which is Tithi. And then it's the Nakshatra, which is lunar constellation and Karna Yoga. So without going into details, let's pick just one of those, which is the day of the week. People are familiar with the day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, right? So on Saturdays, for example, people go to a temple uh, for Shani, which is Saturn. Saturn rules Saturdays. So they go to a temple on Saturdays. Like I, I'm here in India, the temple close to my house. So I go there on Saturdays and it's so crowded. So people are there to offer oil on the statue of Saturn and things like that. So it, it's Panchanga. So their everyday life is influenced by these planetary movements, the day of the week, the lunar day, the lunar constellation, all of that. Uh, and then there is Muhurata, which is a completely different branch of astrology. It is about auspicious time, you know, selecting an auspicious time for doing day-to-day things. All the big things, you know, big events, you undertake a journey. People look for a good Muhurata, good auspicious time. So for example, weddings, most of the weddings, they take place when Venus is well-placed in the skies. Venus is the planet of love and relationship. So they go to a priest and he finds out a good Muhurata because at the time of wedding, you know, when we say I do or in, in the West, right? In India, they put a garland on each other's neck. So that's the moment that your marriage is about to begin. So that's the birth chart of your marriage. So we look at that birth chart and we can tell how the marriage is going to be. So that moment, Venus has to be well-placed in the sky. So that's another area. They look for muhurata, auspicious time for most activities in their lives. And then there is nimitta. Nimitta is the science of omens, you know, the signs from the universe. Uh, You may call it superstition, but universe is always talking to us. You know, we just have to be open to receive those six notes. So that's another science, a completely different branch of Vedic astrology, Nimitta. And then there is mythology. Mythology is great. Uh, it's huge in India. Like as a child, you grew up listening to all these stories. 
every single teaching in Vedic philosophy has lots and lots of stories behind it. So you learn the Vedic philosophy through stories being told to you, you know, as a child. Uh, it becomes a part of you. So you don't have to like go to school to learn Jyotish formally. You just grow up listening to these stories. And so it won't be exaggeration to say more than half of people in India are astrologers. Like common people, they'll have an app uh, Jyotish app on their phone, and they'll be looking at Muhurata, they'll be looking at Nimitta, they'll be looking at Panchanga. So, for example, my cousins, you know, friends, if they're visiting me, they'll be looking at Muhurata when they should start their journey, things like that. So, it's a very intricate part of life of common people. I don't know if that, if that you know, makes sense. Uh, I, I know it's a very different kind of a setting, and you've been there in India many times. So, I, I'm sure you are familiar with some aspects of this. Yes, as a, a Westerner, and especially, you know, we're kind of talking about how this connects to yoga therapy. I think this is such an important point that you make that maybe we as Westerners were not brought up with all of what you just said in daily life from the stories to, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. But I think we can still really use it to orient ourselves and especially our mind. I know that you know, when I wanted to start this podcast, I, I called you and had a session and said, is this something that is within my gifts, according to my birth chart? And then after we decided that it would be a good thing to do and a way to be of service, then you told me May 13th is the day that would be best for you to launch it. And so we did. <laughs> and if, you know, if nothing else as a Westerner, it gives me a, a good bhavana in my mind, a good intention. It helps set my mind on a proper course so that I can be of service to the world. And, and I think even when I've had really difficult times, you, you know, because I've come to you, there have been some really difficult times in the last seven years, let's say, and you've helped me to understand this too shall pass. I know it's hard, Amy, it's going to be okay. Hang in there. You know, you have until X, X date that, that this is going to be a little rough. And, and that has given me great comfort too. So, and then a third way that I always, you know, all the students from optimal state yoga therapy school, I, I want them to come to you when they have babies, especially to, to have the baby's birth chart done right at the beginning to see what these potentials are, maybe what the challenges are. So what do you think of that, of, of us kind of maybe not using it to the fullest extent, but at least for those kind of important questions in life? Yeah, so uh, you brought up several things. First, uh, let's talk about the Muhurata, which is, you know, you mentioned about the date I picked for you for the past class. People say, you know, it, it kind of sounds like a superstition. Oh, that day is more auspicious, whatever. But, you know, think about it. We we plant the seeds at the right season, right? So if you plant the seeds during winter, nothing will happen. So it's just you want to uh, utilize the positive energies that are flowing, you know, abundant at that time to make to make a to start a project. It's like you're giving birth to something. You're planting the seed for that project. So it's just it's just as simple as that. And so we'll talk about the interconnectedness. Like there, all of these Vedic sciences are interconnected. But maybe, you know, before that, maybe I can talk about some of the misconceptions or myths about Jyotish, you know, how what's the perception of common people? And then lots of lots of questions people have. And I've faced a lot of challenges in the West. You, you know, 
practicing Jyotish in the West is very different from pra practicing in India. And especially working with yoga teachers and yoga therapists. It's a, so we'll, we'll talk about exact synergies. What are the interconnections with these Vedic sciences? But shall I talk about some of the misconceptions or you know, some of the myths about- Yes, yes, I'm all ears. Okay, so uh, you know, one thing I get from people is uh, the biggest question is, if Jyotish works, you know, if astrology works, does that mean everything is predestined? There's no free will. Right, so that that's a logical. I mean, that's a you know valid question. So if everything is set in the stars, you know, why do we need to do anything? It's it's already pre-planned, and there's no free will. Uh, that's not the case at all. It, it you know our chart is showing us uh, the results of our karma, uh, which we did in the past. So it's just a result of our past karma, and we did karma in the past based on our free will. So out of our free will, we did a lot of karma in all our past lives, and a portion of that is ripe for us to experience in this life, and that's called prarabdha karma. So there's three types of karma. So our chart is a result of our exercise of our free will, right? And now we still have free will. And Yukteswar uh, Giri, who was the guru of Yogananda, he was a big Jyotish. He was a big astrologer. And he would say that the goal of astrology is to uh, understand that we have the power to transcend our birth chart. So we're not limited by what's promised by the birth chart. So our goal should be, our aim should be to transcend the birth chart so that we can burn off all the karma from past lives and we don't have to come back or, you know, get nirvana or jyotish, whatever, um, uh, or moksha, you know, moksha, so whatever yeah. you call it, uh, liberation. So. So that's the idea, and that's uh, that's a very powerful thing to to realize that we have hundred percent free will, and we can transcend our birth chart. So a reading should be uplifting. It should give you some concrete, practical tools to work with uh, on in your everyday life. And then, can can I comment on that, Amit? Yes, yes, can please. I, I tell I tend people to talk that very fast, and please yeah. stop me anytime. I tell people that all the time that. I don't, my meetings with you and the people that I recommend to you are not predictive. You're not telling us you're going to die on, you know, September 14th, uh, 2025. It's not like that. The, the readings with you are so uplifting. They're like taking into account my personal gifts, my challenges in a very realistic way. But I always feel uplifted and my husband too, after a reading with you, just because you point out all the positives and you point out how we can work with the difficulties, such as for a while there, you were telling me I, can, I should wear a green shawl or a green clothes on Wednesdays. So I did that for months and months and months, right? And chant Shani Mantra on Saturdays. And you've always told, I don't know if it's just for me, but you've told me to try to be of service to elderly on Saturday, right? So it's very, very practical things. And I literally make dinner for my 80 year old neighbors and walk it over there on Saturdays. <laughs> you know, it's that concrete. It is, you know, there's a concept in Jyotish called Sthana Kalapatra. Sthana Kalapatra. Sthana is the place, Kala is the time, and Patra is the audience. So you have to tailor your readings based on the sthana, which is the place where you're in. So if I'm doing a reading in India, it'll be different versus reading for, for a person in the US. 
Kala is the time, you know, readings back in Satyuga were very different. You know, Jyotish was practiced very differently in the previous yogas of previous times, previous eras. So we're in Kali Yuga. You have to tailor the readings accordingly. And then Patra is the audience. So who are you talking to? But also you have to give practical things that people can do and simple things, very, very simple things, remedies based on uh, their upbringing or their interest levels, right? So uh, when people talk about remedies, they think that, oh, there'll be some some mantras, some you know Indian things, you have to go worship gods and goddesses. Uh, no, mantra, literally, the word mantra is come from uh, man and tra, which means something that gives protection to your mind, right? So mantra is something that gives protection to your mind. Now, I always give this example. Let's say somebody loves to do hiking, right? So I would tell them, and if they're under the Saturn influence at that time, so I'll probably tell them, go for a hike, long hike on Saturdays. So as simple as that, because it will protect your mind, it becomes your remedy. So remedy is not something to fix uh, something broken in your chart. Remedy is something to uplift you based on your own interests. Uh, you That becomes your mantra. So it has to be practical. It has to be you know, based on our everyday modern life. Only then it will be useful. Otherwise, let's say somebody tells you three months from now, something is going to happen. You know, let's say some accident, whatever. That becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And we're not God. You know? So our, our predictions may come true, may not come true. So we're, and there's a curse from Shiva you know, back, back in the day. So he, he gave a curse to the astrologers that not all of their uh, predictions will come true. So nobody can predict for sure. But what we can do is we can look at the chart. We can say, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. On top of that, Vedic astrology also gives you the time periods you know, in your life. Throughout uh, the Vedic lifespan is uh, supposed to be around 100, 120 years. And during those 120 years, different planets have more, you know, some planets have more influence during childhood and all that. So those time periods, you can see how they're going to be overall. And then, of course, you look for multiple indications pointing to the same outcome. Then you can say kind of, you know, yes, I think this may happen. Let's say we talk about medical astrology. It's a very, very practical application of astrology for yoga therapists, for yoga teachers, uh, for Ayurveda people. So I work with uh, with other Ayurveda doctors also. So how we do that is medical astrology. You look at the chart of a person, you can see the constitution, you, know, you can see the Vata, Pitta, Kapha, you can see the five elements uh, in their chart. And then I will kind of figure out, okay, this person seems to have more Vata, more Pitta, more Kapha, whatever. And then I'll talk to the uh, Ayurveda person. And then if I see something, let's say during this period from January 2023 to March 2023, there is going to be some something, some issue with the you know needs of this person. You know, so we can pinpoint from the chart which organ might be affected, and then we can see okay, what kind of uh, impact there is it more vata issue, pitta issue. So we you're not supposed to say, oh, something bad is going to happen. You want to alert the person so that they are ready. They, so I would just say, go have a checkup, you know, go do some like uh, exercise, you know, you, you can be ready and, and you can, you have the power to transcend your birth chart. That's the key we have to remember. So uh, bring out the positive things, but if there are obstacles in the chart that you see, you can make them ready by you know doing remedies by doing a lot of other things that that are of interest to that person so that's how you you work together and you don't want to you don't want to scare the person i mean they're already suffering 
right? So you want to uplift, you want to give them practical remedies that they, they can do based on their own upbringing, their own environment, their own interests. You know, I have a, such a great example of that. You had told me about a certain area in my body that might have some troubles, but not in a scary way, but I've taken extra precautions. I've gone and I've had, you know, checkups that I maybe the doctor is like, why do you need this? And I said, no, I, I need to know. And I take extra care of those areas specifically, not that I don't want to take good care of all of my body and mind, but, but I take extra care now to make sure that everything is functioning well in those areas. So I think, again, you leave us feeling uplifted with things that we can do for ourselves. And then the other thing that you, oh, did you want to say something? No, 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 please go ahead. Well, I also found it fascinating when you first read my chart many years ago, you told me that in terms of Vata Pitta Kapha, I had one area, I think it's my mind is Vata, my body is more kapha, according to my chart. And I think you said that even my soul is more pitta. <laughs> so I, I thought that was fascinating. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. You know, in, in Vedic astrology, well, not just astrology, in all the Vedic, science, Vedic sciences, we talk about this uh, uh, body, mind, and soul, right? So the body is our physical existence, and then mind is. So in Jyotish, we have three planets governing. The body is governed by our rising sign. The mind is ruled by the moon, and uh, sun rules our soul. So in Western astrology, uh, people talk about when they say, oh, I'm a Gemini. What they're saying is that their sun sign is Gemini. Uh, But in Vedic astrology, we put more focus on the mind because of course soul is most important right so we we want to reach the soul Um, but to reach the soul we have either our body or our mind but also to make some to make our body do some things uh, we have to first have this intention this thought in our mind so mind is supreme Uh, mind is so powerful that if you go to uh, Indian temple to do some puja on your behalf or you know some ritual, the priest will simply ask you one thing, what is your moon nakshatra? What is the lunar constellation of your moon? So based on that one piece of information, uh, which is connected with the placement of moon in your chart, they can do the entire puja for you. So that's how important moon is. And then Eastern versus Western, you know, there's a lot of debate. I just always tell people it's it's very simple. You know, Eastern versus Western, the technical difference is very simple, but everything works. You know, it's not that some, you know, one thing is good, other things bad. But also keep in mind that if we work with the moon, with the mind, then you know we can take care of other things easily. Everything originates in the mind, and so. I can give you another example. Let's say, so let's say somebody's having uh, insomnia, right? So they're not able to sleep. So the person would say, uh, oh, I've been to a yoga therapist. I've been to a uh, you know, yoga teacher. I've done meditation. I've taken herbs from an Ayurveda person. So then what I would say is, uh, let's check the vastu, which is the Indian feng shui, you know, of your house. Um, how you, the energies of different directions are affecting you. So if the person is sleeping with their head in the north, uh, they, you know, most likely they will not have a sound sleep because our body has north and south pole, right? So the head is north. And then if you're sleeping in the north direction, then it's north of the earth and north of your body. So they're repelling each other, right? So you won't have a sound sleep. 
then the client may say, oh, hmm, so no, I'm not doing that. You know, they're not sleeping with their head in the north. Then I will look at the chart and maybe some karmic issues happen. Maybe Saturn, they're going through the Saturn period and then Rahu is transiting their Lagna, the first house. In other words, uh, you know, Saturn and Rahu are the most uh, Vata planets. And if they're affecting their 12th house or their Lagna, they may not have sound sleep. So that's a karmic issue. So that's how you can integrate all of these sciences together, all the, uh, you know, four or five different Vedic sciences, you can, the practitioners can work together. Um, and that's how we can, I, I've heard you talk a lot about uh, nervous system, right? So in yoga therapy, you focus a lot on nervous system. Uh, what controls the nervous system is our mind, right? So if we can reach the mind of a person, if we can understand the mental wiring of our client, I think it'll give you a very powerful tool how you can tailor your uh, regimen, your recommendations for that particular client, right? So, and, and how you can reach their mind, how we can understand their mind is by looking at the chart, we can easily see the placement of the moon in their chart. And then uh, you can, tailor your offerings. So basically you can you can do a very specific individualized uh, care for your clients. So, you know, in all of these things, let's say medicine, right? Medicine is supposed to be individualized, but it's not. It's a blanket FDA approval and then we go there. Uh, but medicine, medicine for one person may be poison for another, right? So, but in Ayurveda, it's a very individualized care. So Dhinacharya, which is the daily routine is, is very individualized. Same thing. So what I'm saying is in yoga therapy also, it's already very individualized. You're, you're looking at the person, their issues, you're suggesting them various you know, remedies, what they can do. But if you want to really understand their mental wiring, uh, Jyotish is a great tool that we can use and see if it works. You know, some clients, for example, let's say uh, somebody has their moon in the sixth house, right? So for them, they may feel that they're always surrounded by enemies because moon is our mind, sixth house is the house of enemies. So they may say, oh, somebody's always watching me. So for that person, I would recommend go do group yoga classes because you'll feel supported. Uh, but let's say somebody has their son exalted Sun is our ego, uh, but sun is also the leader. So for that person, I would never recommend a group class. They, they, they can never follow. They want to be a leader. So they, from day one uh, in a teacher training program, they want to already start teaching. So that's how you can kind of tailor. <laughs> your... I've had students like that. <laughs> <laughs> right? So that's how you can tailor your yoga classes. That's how you can tailor your yoga therapy uh, consultations. These just a few examples. Well, one thing that you told me that was so helpful, you told me the the sun sign is kind of how you present to the world, but the moon is how you really are in your heart and in your, in your mind. And so for me, those are very oppositional in my chart. I come across as very much that leader, that outgoing person, that kind of sun person in, in life. But the truth is my, my moon and my mind is very sensitive, very introverted, loves to just stay home and, and yes. snuggle in with my pets. And that, that really helped me to understand that I need to start moving my career in a direction. And COVID has helped with this where I am home with my family more. I am doing my laundry in between lessons. I'm able to have some nice food on the, the stove that I cook in the morning and then it's ready by noon. Like that's the lifestyle that my mind needs. And since I've listened to you, 
because you told me your mind is in this, this area, I feel so much better. It's amazing. It is, uh, you know, if there were one thing that I would recommend that people, everybody should do is to understand the position of moon in their chart. It is that powerful. Moon is our mind. And it, this tool is available for us, for all of us. This It's very simple. You can ask any astrologer or, you know, on the websites, they, they can tell you the sun, the sign of your moon and the house it is placed in. So very simple. And the nakshatra, which is the lunar constellations. Based on that, you can really, so I was blown away when I saw my chart for the first time, where my moon is placed and how my mind works. It is, it is uh, mind blowing. Beyond that, what you can do is every day, you know, the, the planets are still moving, you know, around the sun, going around the sun. And you can see the position of moon every single day. There are so many different tools. Like I talked about Panchanga. So you can look at the Titi, you can look at the Vara, the lunar day, the solar day, or the Nakshatra, or the constellation of the moon. All of those will give you very, very deep clues about, uh, you know, how your day is going to be. At, at some kind of clarity about, okay, so this is the energy uh, for today. And that's a specific to your chart. Everybody's chart is different. So, so this paper, newspaper astrology, where they say, oh, this is today's, uh, you know, chart reading, whatever, that doesn't work for you, you know, because we have a different, everybody has a different chart. So the way these circle, these planets will impact us is very different from anybody else in this world. So we have our unique chart. So very basic understanding of the placement of moon in your chart will tell you a lot of things. And you can go as deep as you want, or you can stay as high level as you want. So you can look at your planetary periods for the next one year. So that's the yearly reading that we do uh, for the next whole year. What's the general energy? You know, what are the really big opportunities you might see during this year? And then you can prepare for those or, you know, some challenges and we can prepare for those as well. You can go deeper than, you know, for the next year, next three years, then you can go next month or just today, how, where the moon is placed. So for example, uh, you know, you have your Saturn in in Gemini. And if moon is going over Gemini today, then I would ask you to that there might be some tendency of this detachment today in your mind, because Saturn detaches you. So those things make a huge difference in our everyday life. And then people go even deeper than, than that, not just day, they look at the every hour, we have a Hora concept of Hora, every hour, a different planet is ruling us. So you can go in a very, very, very detailed fashion if you want, but keep it simple. I always tell people, uh, you know, I give readings and some people love to get like more and more remedies, you know, tens of mantras and this, but, but it's not possible. And then the, they're overwhelmed. So just keep it simple. Uh, and the other thing, I really love to uh, explain things in a very simple way. I mean, the, my philosophy is if you can't explain to a five-year-old, then you don't know enough about the subject yourself. So it, it, you have to put it in that kind of a package that the person, the client understands, and they are inclined to do it, and they're willing to do it happily. It's not something you just force upon them that, oh, if you don't do this, then this will happen, which is the case in, you know, in India also. The, a lot of astrologers are like, you know, this, 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 this will happen. And then you can wear this stone. You can uh, donate this much money to this temple, this, things like that. So that's not true astrology. And 
you know, there's another valid question people ask is, does it work? You know, does astrology work? So is there any scientific basis, right? Is there any, you know, has anybody done any research? Or So everything in Vedic philosophy that you see, for example, let's, let's see, just pick a couple of things. One is uh, they ask, they recommend we chant 108 mantras, right? In a, in a rosary bead, there's 108 beads. Why 108? So where, where it came from? 108 came from so many different, you know, at least 10 different things that um, you can see that point towards 100. So why uh, there is 27 lunar constellations and each constellation has four parts. So 27 times four is 108. There is 12 house signs and then nine planets, 12 times nine, 108. But beyond that, scientifically, the distance between earth and sun is 108 times the diameter of the sun. Not just that, the distance between Earth and Moon is 108 times the diameter of Moon, the size of Moon. Then you go, you look at the Shastras, the, the ancient texts, you know, they are full of these uh, scientific revelations. For example, Hanuman Chalisa, which is the shlokas, they are the, you know, verses in the praise of Lord Hanuman. So in one of the verses has uh, this uh, beautiful explanation of the distance between the sun and the moon. So it goes like this. So Jug Sahastri Yojan Parbhanu. So Jug Sahastri Yojan Parbhanu. Jug is a 12,000 years. That's the time period. Yojan is eight miles. So basically what's happening is Hanuman is trying to get to the sun and he, he's so powerful. He can just leap and he'll reach sun. But he's telling us the distance between earth and sun, which is uh, approximately, so you know, 12,000 years times number eight, uh, eight miles. So that's approximately 96 million miles. That's approximately the distance between Earth and Sun. So that is written in Hanuman Chalisa. That was done like, you know, thousands of years ago. So all of that is written in the texts and, and you can scientifically, you know, do the calculations. And so uh, what I'm saying is, um, Another thing is like this uh, Darwin's theory of evolution, right? So people say it came out, what, maybe 150 years, 200, 300 years ago. Uh, but in the Shastras, they've talked about the 10 incarnations of Vishnu, which start with the first incarnation was fish, then was turtle, then was you know amphibians, uh, the um, Varha avatar, the incarnation, then it was half man, half lion, then it was dwarf man. You know, all, all that progression is already being talked about in the Vedas, in the Shastras. So if somebody is doubting, and then of course, uh, scientific, you can look at the moon, you know, the cycle of the moon. It, it takes about 28 days to complete a cycle around the zodiac, which is the, you know, the, the length of the period uh, for women. And we can see during full moon, we, we have these full of emotions, you know, we are more, we are more emotional during full moon. So anyway, I, I tend to go all over the place. I don't know if, if it's making sense. Well, I, I didn't know if I wanted to bring this up because it's a little bit sensitive, but I think it's something really important to talk about that a lot of times in the Western mind, let's even say colonial mindset, we somehow think we have transcended these old traditions, these old ways of being. And well, back then they didn't have proper medicine or they didn't have refrigeration or, you know, whatever it is, we think that we've evolved beyond that. And therefore we kind of stomp down on, you know, indigenous traditions, but I just want to point out how inappropriate that is. Here we are yoga therapists, yoga teachers, 
and we're going to say, yeah, we're going to take out, we, we like that asana stuff and that that's great. That makes my body feel stretchy. Right. But all these, all this other thing, the planetary alignments, the Vastu, how you should do your home, the tens of thousands of years of ancient texts that have predicted so beautifully how life is and was and unfolds. I mean, it's a little bit arrogant to just say, I, I like this piece, but no, that astrology thing that that doesn't have any scientific basis. And so I didn't, I don't know if, you know, that's very nice to say, but I really want people to think about that, that that is part of the problem is just taking off pieces and then saying the rest of it is, is not important or not valuable. You know, what people like to see uh, who, you know, in the Western mindset, a, a very scientific oriented person, what they want to see is a scientific proof, right? So they're asking for a scientific proof. Now, what techniques do we have to do this research? The science itself hasn't evolved yet, right? So you're trying to measure something based on your tools, which are not sophisticated enough. So it's not exactly. that the, the ancient science is not valid. It's that our tools to measure that we, we haven't grown. We, it's, it's in the you know, infancy. So we, we don't even need any tools. You know, all these yogis, they discovered all this through their meditation. So if, if we make our mind powerful enough, we can see the proof. We can, you know, like clairvoyance, you know, a lot of now in the West, a lot of people do clairvoyance and they can travel the, this astral world and they can, uh, a lot of people have given this uh, account of their past life regression and that's becoming very, very popular now. So I think it, it's, uh, the I think the consciousness is shifting in a big way you already see especially due to covid actually the yoga has become online you know who would have thought like two years ago so but the positive thing is it, it's able to reach uh, many more people right so sitting at your home you have these uh, and that's you know technology is helping us um, be more aware we just need to I tend to not focus on these debates, what works, what doesn't. Uh, like Buddha would say, you know, you, you should experience. You just, ex on an experiential level, if, it, if you think it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But you, if you're willing to just keep your eyes and ears open, see if it works. And if you have this, you know, slight difference in your uh, mindset, in your uh, sense of uh, being in your happiness index, you know, so you can try these things. It doesn't cost anything. Another thing people, you know, a lot of people tell me is that yoga therapy and yoga and Jyotish, they're expensive. A reading might be, uh, you know, whatever depends on your place and rate and whatever. But if you, if you told somebody, Hey, give me a few hundred dollars and I can help you keep your spine uh, strong for the next 10 years right now is that is that a bad deal is that expensive so it's so a lot of these misconceptions and i just tend to stay away from these debates whether it works or not but a person had and, and also we cannot force anybody uh, we cannot uh, make anybody a believer that's not our job and i don't want to do that at the right time everybody will see the light you know when they're supposed to they'll see the light and they'll switch uh, and so that'll happen, but it's it's not our job. It's so hard to do, isn't it? To not try to convince someone when, when their ears are closed and they don't want to hear. I mean, I, I have these discussions even with family members and it just, it, it takes away from our prana to do what we're supposed to do in the world. 
<laughs> you know, family members could be the hardest to convince. That's right. That's right. Usually it is the case. And um, because they've seen you as a, you know, as a different person and maybe you, you are different now because you're doing these things. Um, so uh, one big lesson I've learned is I have stopped trying to convince people. I, I just, uh, you know, stop, you know, I, I don't argue. I don't get into the debates, uh, even these uh, um, technical debates about Eastern versus Western, what works, what doesn't work. Uh, I used to do that, you know, uh, I was enthusiastic. I was like, you know, this angry young man. And I would try to be very forceful, even fierce uh, that how, how come you don't believe in this? You know, yeah, like, are you, you know, are you not getting it? So now I don't get into those debates at all. And I just leave it upon God and they, they will see these, uh, you know, this light when they're supposed to. It, it's very hard though. I mean, it, it's extremely hard. I have to cringe sometimes. I It just feels like, really, I can help you. I mean, but I've realized I need to help myself first. If I'm able to, uh, you know, have that positive attitude. And, and if I have that level of uh, consciousness, I don't have to say a word to convince anybody, right? So if I'm evolved enough to, if I believe in that thing 100%, then I don't have to convince anybody. They should be able to see from my life. So, I mean, it's hard. It's really hard, but I've stopped trying to convince people. So, I mean, it's better to just work on ourselves and then I think things will fall in place. You know, I mean, that's why I think you've become such a stable support system in my life. I went to many Vedic astrologers prior to you, especially on all my trips to India, but when I saw you at the first IAYT conference at Sitar, it was probably like in 2017 or something. Yes. I literally saw you across the room and you had light radiating out of you. And I was like, I want to know this person. And, and then we got connected. But I, I really think that the relationship that a student has with their astrologer or their Vastu practitioner is important because I never felt heart connected to any other Vedic astrologer like I do to you. So can you talk about the student, I guess, student teacher relationship? And do you feel that's important that there's a good match between, because not every yoga teacher is for every student. So I kind of feel the same as maybe for astrology. What do you think? It's very important. You know, um, that's another thing that I get, always get this. Uh, a lot of people are just searching for the best astrologer in the world, right? So the, I wish I could have, have a reading with this person, but I tend to be very philosophical. So if we are grounded enough, we don't need any astrologer in our life, right? So we don't. We will be able to listen to the sounds and the signals from the universe, so we don't need an astrologer. But you never know what any person is going to tell you that may change your life forever. So that person could be just a, uh, an astrologer around the corner, you know, uh, who is not known at all. He's and he, he may not be even a very reputed or even people may not think of him much like he may not be a good astrologer. So if you're supposed to hear something that is relevant for you at that particular time, it'll come through, uh, you know, different avenues. And but you have to have that connection with that person. You know, it's a karmic connection. You have to have that connection. You cannot, it's not, it's not commerce. It's not business. It's not like you are in the queue and then, you know, you, you get that reading done and then you get your report 
and you know you pay the fees you're done so it's it's it doesn't work that there's a karmic exchange and we're like you pay your degree um and actually one of my teachers he would say that a person gets a reading when their karma is about to change so if you are connected with that teacher only then you'll go to them but you have to have that hard connection with the person otherwise uh, it's not going to work and and a lot of people don't, a lot of people actually you know in fact they even go to a, a specific astrologer just to test them or go to a yoga therapist just to test them oh hey can you fix this i mean let me see what you can do for me i completely i have actually uh, turned away some people who i felt i should not be doing a reading for so it's it's not that you know and and also keep in mind the te- the the astrologer or the yoga therapist you know we are at least i feel i'm not doing anything whatever i see in the chart i'm supposed to be a messenger so in 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 astrology we talk about the planets being the messengers of karma but we are also simply you know channeling that message that's all so we're not doing anything but you have to have this connection in astrology we strictly forbid if a person is coming to a astrologer just to test their knowledge or just because they haven't had success with other astrologers they're just checking out a new astrology so they they completely forbid you to do the reading for such a client so it's extremely important to have this a uh, very spiritual connection because we're talking about karma you know we're, we're it, it That's is right yeah yeah i feel the same there's some students that come to me for yoga therapy and they're lovely human beings and i feel like i'm a, a lovely human being too but we're not we're not meant to do this work together and it's yeah. just so clear you know yeah so. uh, and and you cannot we're not supposed to be you know doing everything for everybody it's not it's not just yeah i mean if i can help even one person you know genuinely uh in this whole world i i would feel very very happy and you know very very uh thankful that i was able to do that but you know it, it just gives you this holistic picture once you start looking at the karmic level uh, i i give this example always like the the western medicine it's kind of like tunnel vision right so you you're looking at this one specific organ which is you know having issues diseased and then um, of course it's needed at times you know you want to fix that maybe you know something in your uh, in your uh, chest or whatever so it's but it's still tunnel vision but then ayurveda is one step higher which looks at the 360 degree view of the person holistically you know your your constitution not just this you know you have a issue in your arm let me fix your arm ayurveda is a 360 degree view but then jyotish gives you this what i call third eye vision of shiva you know which is you are actually looking at the karma where we've been and what karma we're supposed to experience in this lifetime and what we can do about it so it gives you a very very holistic picture uh, of the person uh, which is fascinating and then you know i feel everyone should be a jyotishi not that I mean, i'm not saying they should become astrologer what i'm saying is everyone should try to develop this intimate connection with the universe all these signals from the universe all the things we can do on a day to day basis i mean you may not know jyotish at all a lot of people are naturally connected you know they are not even clairvoyant they're they're just connected with the universe they know what to do at what time you know they they hear the they feel this these signals from the universe so that's what we need that we want a more connected society we want a more interconnected society not just you know start with the family 
and then you know city level country level the whole world but then uh, the whole universe but then there are many many universes right so parallel universes and thousands and millions and millions of universes so there's no end to how how big we can think how holistic we can think we just need to keep expanding our horizon still keep your feet on the ground you know we have to be grounded ourselves only then we can do any positive work well i i wanted to ask you do you have any tips for how we can begin to listen to that that voice i mean i'll call it the the voice within but i don't know the universe talking to us do you have any suggestions on how we can get better at that because i think some of us don't know if that's intuition or is that my fear talking or is that a memory about something that happened bad in the past or good in the past so do you have any thoughts about that just very practical Sure. Uh, I tell people that, you know, they have this saying, smile, you're on camera, right? Uh, and somebody's watching you. Uh, so so that is true. Uh, you're always on camera. And who's watching you? The universe. All these uh, planets are watching us. You know, these, are, these planets are not just pieces of rock circling around the sun. They are living deities. So they're always watching us. So you have to have fun. You have to love living. You have to love being alive. Uh, and you're alive only when you're connected with the universe. So Jyotish gives you a lot of tools that you can utilize to, to be more connected with the universe. So for example, you can, uh, it depends on the person also, you know, uh, I always recommend one big thing, easy thing to start with is uh, mythology. You can learn about the 10 planets or the nine planets and then through the incarnations of Vishnu, if you're interested, you know, or just simply you can, these days they're making so many good series on Netflix and, uh, you know, YouTube, uh, these ancient stories they're telling in a very modern way, but still keeping the, the teachings intact. So that that's, a, I think, really good first step you can uh, it's a fun way and the whole family could watch, you know, so dive into mythology. Uh, I, in fact, teach astrology mainly through mythology. So if you understand the 10 incarnations of Vishnu, uh, you'll know more about all the nine planets than through reading the books and all that. So that's one thing. Then you can go deeper into the, on my website, actually, I have a section on planetary remedies. So for each day of the week, you can see what planet is governing. Uh, what the deities are, what the mantras are, color of the day, those things, um, and see it, it, it works for you. You know, you you can see, yeah, that's the website. So uh, there's a section on planetary remedies. So for each planet, uh, there's a day of the week, and you can start doing some simple mantras or remedies. And then, now these are, you can say, um, Western, and these are not like, you know, uh, Western remedies. These are more like Vedic uh, remedies, mantras, and uh, chanting and you know doing specific meditation, uh, but we can also if you're inclined you can do all of these. But uh, you can also do simple Western remedies, whatever makes makes you happy. So for example, Thursdays, right? Let's let's talk about Thursdays. Uh, Thursdays ruled by Guru Jupiter, and Thursday, you know, you look at the energy. I think the basic foundation of interconnectedness of all these sciences, the yoga, yoga therapy. Vastu and Jyotish is the five elements, the Panchamahabhutas, right? So you, we're, we're trying to balance the five elements, uh, be it yoga, yoga therapy, Vastu and Jyotish. Uh, but we, we're just doing that using different modalities. Now, in terms of uh, Thursdays, Thursday is ruled by Jupiter and Jupiter rules the, the element ether. 
right? So it's expansion. It's expansive energy. So on Thursdays, whatever you do will expand. So why not do things you really want to expand in your life? For example, one big uh, suggestion I give people is have dinner together as a family on Thursdays. Make sure everybody's sitting on the table, you know, on a Thursday evening or afternoon if it, if, if evening doesn't work, uh, so that that love will grow. Um, and you can start your favorite thing, like you can start a music lesson, you can start some some of your favorite thing on Thursday, and it will grow. Uh, Wednesdays are ruled by Mercury, which is the planet of business and communication and humor, all of that. So a lot of business dealings, we, you know, we recommend that you choose a Wednesday if it works based on your chart also. So you have to look at a lot, a lot of things, but in general, you know, Wednesdays, you want to do this, um, some of these mantras, you can wear green, all of that, you can do Vishnu mantras, but you can do, uh, you know, your business, imp- let's say you have some important email to send out. So I would do that on a Wednesday. If I have a choice between Tuesday and Wednesday, let's say Tuesday night, I'm sitting and I'm about to send the email. I, I would wait until the, you know, sunrise next day, I'll send it on a Wednesday. It's just these little, little things you can do, uh, make a huge impact. And other thing to remember is that the Vedic uh, weekday starts at the sunrise. It doesn't start at midnight. So lots and lots of things to keep in mind. But uh, remember, you know, you want to keep it very simple. So just start with one or two very simple things, and they should uh, they should uh, relate with you. You know, you should relate with those things. You should you know feel like oh yeah, this this is something I really want to do. So then you can uh, make a progress. That's what I wanted to say. Is for me, it's been. Uh, quality over quantity. So for example, I almost always tape on Thursdays, the, the podcast for the week because of this, right? Because I know Thursday is the day of my birth. It's a great day for me, right? So it doesn't have to be big, huge things, but if you have a choice, like you said, why not choose a Thursday? Right. And I just want to say your, your website, the thing that impresses me about it, it's Ganesh dash hanuman.com ganesh dash hanuman.com is there's so much education on here you know it's not about you it's a hundred percent educational about how to use this vedic science in a very very practical way including the vedic calendar including mantras um even your newsletter that you send out amit is so practical every time i get a newsletter from you and it's telling me, okay, this is what's happening. You know, pay attention here. It's, it just feels like you're just educating all of us. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you so much for saying that. Uh, and you know, my, I, I just want to plant the seeds and you never know when those seeds will fructify. So it just, uh, share. And if we don't share, then we'll have to do that in the next birth. So it's, it's, you cannot just accumulate the knowledge and not share. That's a big curse actually. So I'm just doing my part. And <laughs> can you uh, repeat uh, that? I think, I think there's a lot of accumulators out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and nothing belongs to me. I mean, it's just whatever I've, I've had so many amazing, wonderful teachers throughout my life. I've been very blessed in, in that respect. I mean, I have uh, you know, combinations for astrology in my chart, but but the teachers, um, I, I knew nothing, you know, I knew nothing. I, I don't come from a, a astrology back like my family. Nobody is an astrologer in my family. And I just so blessed with all the wonderful teachers I've had. Yeah. 
Well, are you, do you do readings for people? Is there a way that if someone heard this and they thought, I really want to try a Vedic astrology reading and admit Garg sounds like my, my potential teacher. Is there a way? Yeah, that it's on the website you? also. Uh, there's a section for reading. So it's on Ganesha-Hanuman.com. You go to the, uh, I think the reading section or just send me an email and the, the person should be ready if they want to have a reading. And, and, and how do uh, they know they're ready? They, they, they will know. I mean, they, they'll have this urge, like they'll have this urge that I want to talk to somebody about this. Uh, actually, in fact, you know, some people that come to me, they, uh, it's fascinating. They, whatever I have recommendations for them, they're already like doing exactly those things. Uh, they'll say, oh, just last month I started doing these things. So they are connected already. Uh, so a lot of people, so it, it's like I said earlier, your karma is about to shift when you get a reading. Nothing to do with the astrologer. You know, it could be just an unknown astrologer, it could be best astrologer in the world. But if you get hear something from an astrologer, that means your karma is supposed to change. So you'll know, uh, you'll have this urge from within. Yeah, you'll 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 get a reading when you're supposed to. And in addition to getting readings, do you do workshops? Um, how else can we learn from you? I used to do a lot more, but I haven't done recently. Yeah, I, I, I'll start again. So I do about one uh, workshop a month on different topics. So one of the favorite things is uh, the uh, remedies for each day of the week. You know, so that was very popular. People love uh, just little tidbits they can do. Uh, so I do those. And then I used to teach, but I haven't taught for a while. Uh, but I think newsletter is a good uh, for if you want to keep you know up to date and learn more uh, so i send out newsletters and a lot of uh, you know latest upcoming things planetary alignments all of that it's in my newsletter so you can subscribe to the newsletter I, I think that's a good way to start and then you can see if you like that stuff then you can talk to me we can um, you know even have some specific customized workshops for people if if they like well i was going to say i think there's actually quite a few probably yoga therapy programs out there that would even if it's an online workshop, just to get the basics of how Jyotish intersects with yoga therapy. And, and I think a lot of us schools would really love that. How do we find your newsletter? I'm on your website right now, which is Ganesh dash. Uh, if you scroll down, there's a subscribe. Yeah. Uh, go up, uh, up a little bit. Yeah. Here you can enter oh. email and then, uh, then you can there you go. follow. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you. Is there anything else, Amit, that you feel we need to to talk about before we conclude today? No, I think I've been talking a lot. Um, <laughs> and it, you've been such a big support. And it's the work that you do through podcasts. I'm just amazed. It takes so much effort, so much effort to, to put these together. Um, and, and you're reaching so many people. You're doing wonderful, wonderful uh, karma. It, it's amazing. Well, as I said, this is at the encouragement of you. I, I thought about it for a long time, but having you read my chart and say, Amy, this is within your wheelhouse. You can do this. Uh, you know, this, this looks like it will, will be of service and help people. That's really what gave me the the courage and strength to go ahead and do it because it's, it's a little scary to, to jump into such a big project, but I, I listen to my my counselor, so I appreciate I appreciate you helping me make really important life decisions. 
Thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you so much. All right, Amit. Well, I know it's very late there in India. It's 11 o'clock at night, and I'm so grateful that you stayed up to talk to us. And Really, will... really thankful for having me, and uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, Amy. Thank you so much. I've just finished the interview with Amit and just feeling so warm in my heart, happy that I could share this amazing human being with you. And maybe you learned something about Jyotish. Maybe you're having that longing to, to have a reading and to start exploring in this direction. I think, you know, finding the right person, kind of like finding the right yoga therapist is so crucial. There has to be some warmth in the heart, a feeling of goodness. You know, when I first met Amit and he's continued for the five or six years that I've known him, I've just felt that he is a pure person in mind, in spirit, in heart, in action. I always tell my husband, Amit's one of the most pure people I've ever met. And that's important to me, right? It's it's that trust, that feeling that there will not be some strange thing that will happen that will, you know, crush me and, and make me want to give up my spiritual connection. I think finding somebody that you trust, that you feel good about, that warms your heart, that can communicate with you, that makes you feel amazing every time you're, you're with them. I think that's a really great thing to aim for. I've had many Vedic astrologers who don't have bedside manner, (laughs) frankly. And, you know, everybody gets to have what they need. And I personally need some nice bedside manner. I need someone who's kind and humble and willing to spend time with me and answer my questions. Uh, You know, maybe it's more of a Western thing that I like to have a little more handholding. And I think everybody that explores this, just like any other field, it's important to find that person who works for you, that person that really makes you feel safe. And I think for especially the Westerners listening, that's a big deal for us. Other people are much more willing to just take the hard knocks, just go there. Maybe the person doesn't need the bedside manner because you're fine with that. Well, that's great too, right? It's not a judgment. It's just really understanding what you need from your yoga teacher, your yoga therapist, your Jyotish, maybe even your Vastu. You know, the next time that George and I move, we will be using Vastu, which is Indian feng shui. And Amit will be helping us situate our house and put the kitchen in a certain area and put the bedroom in a different area with our heads facing the right way. So that's kind of an exciting thing to think about too, is having someone help you with the Indian feng shui or Vastu V-A-S-T-U, if you're going to be making a move, you can tell a realtor, I want a house facing south or you know whatever direction is, is good for you. And they, they may not understand why you want the house facing that direction. You don't have to tell your realtor that, but it's something to think about. And as I said in the podcast, I think really embracing the whole of the Indian philosophy from astrology, to Ayurveda, to yoga, to Vastu. I think all of these sciences work together 
to help us navigate our lives and to help us have the right mindset going forward. And it can be a really beautiful thing to have that kind of support in your life if you find the right people that really match your personality and and that you feel safe with. So I encourage you all to explore this new topic. Maybe some of you have never thought of it before. It's very interesting. Keep an open mind. And I wish you the best on your journey. Thank you for listening to the Yoga Therapy Hour with Amy Wheeler podcast. Another nonprofit organization that we like to support through this podcast is the Krishnamacharya Yoga Mandram in Chennai, India. They are the source for the teachings of the Optimal State Yoga Therapy School, and we are so grateful. The KYM's Mitra Division offers free yoga therapy training to a large number of socially and economically underprivileged children and women in Chennai. Feel free to support them through the link listed below on Red Circle, and we also have details on our website, which is also listed below. Please also note that we have recently developed a mental health tracking mobile app based on yogic and Ayurvedic principles. The app helps practitioners to observe their mental habits and patterns throughout the different times of day, the seasons of the year, and the stages of life. This is a useful tool for healthcare providers, yoga teachers, yoga therapists, and all of the people that they serve. Check it out on the App Store. It's called the Optimal State App. And finally, a special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria and Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.